0: Again, Titus is written at the, first, at the same time as 1 Timothy. Titus and Timothy are almost spiritual brothers. They both identify with Paul as their father in Christ. They, they are closer to him than their own father. And here he is speaking, obviously through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but Paul is speaking into their lives, and he's speaking to the church. But what's going to be so interesting, especially we're going to highlight it this evening, is the contrast between the Cretans and the island of Crete, where Titus is ministering, and the Ephesians, where Timothy is ministering. These are completely different cultures. The Ephesians are the artsy ones. It's like uh, the San Francisco of of the Mediterranean time, where the Cretans, they're the biker gangs. They are notorious thieving, lying, cheating, fighting group of guys and and women. And yet we're going to see 1 Timothy and Titus, the rules for the church, for the body of Christ, are the same. And that's going to be the emphasis. Now, I put up here on the slide that we're going to start in verse 5, but I want to reread verses 1 through 4. So we're going to read together verses 1 through 9. Let's read together chapter 1 of Titus. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgment of the truth which accords with godliness. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, a true Son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now in verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. For a bishop must be blameless, as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Now, that's a lot of information right there. Paul's telling Titus, this wild bunch of Cretes, Titus, set the church in order. The way you do that is by raising up godly leaders in the fellowship. And that's exactly what he told Timothy. Timothy. And so sometimes today we hear, well, you know, the culture's different, so we need to do di- the church differently. Here you have in Timothy and in Titus, again, two wildly different cultures, exact same qualifications for leadership in the church, exactly the same. Doesn't matter if it's the 21st century. Doesn't matter if it's the uh, first century. Doesn't matter if you're in California or you're in China. Doesn't matter if you're in Russia or if you're in South Carolina. The qualifications for God's church have never changed, will never change, no matter what man says. If we're coming here to, to worship the Lord, we got to worship the Lord His way. And that's why Paul says, again, the Lord's speaking through him, set the church in order. What's the best way to have the church in order? Is it to, for me to get a whistle, to have us all stand at attention? to go military style on you. That's not what he's telling him. He says at the very end, he sums it all up in verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as it has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. It's by the teaching of the word of God. The teaching and preaching of the Bible is what transforms and conforms people into the image of God. It is the Holy Spirit working through his word into your life that will bring you into order. Think about it for a second. All of the fallen kingdom is because man is out of order. We are not in subjection to God. When Adam disobeyed in the garden, he said, I will Instead of God's will, I will eat of this tree. Eve, I will eat of this tree, even though God said no. It set in motion a chain of events where all of mankind is now in a fallen state. And that's why whenever we get people together, there's problems. Wherever there's people, there's people problems. But setting things in order because all of mankind, all of us have been in disorder because of sin. And that's why our heart is deceitfully wicked we know what we're supposed to do we know how we're supposed to uh, act we know what we're supposed to read our bible we're supposed to get up early we're supposed to be in fellowship we're supposed to be doing all those things and yet as i repeat week after week paul said in the book of romans that which i will to do i do not that which i will not to do that i do and we struggle we struggle. And so when we understand that, when we know that about ourselves, we realize the grace of God, that he's calling us back into order. And the way that we do that is to humble ourselves, to yield ourselves. Paul is not telling Titus, hey, you need to get your bat out and get these people in order whether they want to or not. No, he's saying through the preaching and teaching of the word of God, watch as... The Lord brings people into His will. Watch as the Lord changes people into His image decently and in order. Now, there's a lot of things for an elder an elder, a bishop, he, he's a servant. These guys and this fellowship that are elders or deacons or serving in any capacity, they're not bosses, they're servants. They are to serve you and to help you come into a closer relationship with the Lord. They're here to encourage you and to pray for you, to intercede for you, to stand in the gap. And in doing so, they're to be blameless. That doesn't mean perfect. Husband of one wife doesn't mean that everything's great all the time. Faithful children doesn't mean perfect children. Not accused of dissipation or insubordination doesn't mean that they never are not in insubordination. Steward of God, not self-willed, quaint- you, you can continue to go through the list. And if you were to hold this list up to any man here, especially me, you'd be like, well, get, he didn't do that, he didn't do that, he didn't do that, he didn't do that. I know for a fact I saw Pastor Mike driving on 278. I saw him get cut off. He was mad. And Jesus says, if you're angry, you have committed murder in your heart. I'm guilty. I'm covered by grace. Doesn't mean I had road rage, but according to the commandments of Jesus Christ, I've committed murder pretty much any time that I'm on 278. Or that ridiculous flyover. Don't get me started. That's that thing going over, the, the overpass going on to the island where we all get funneled into one huge traffic jam. And people are trying to merge. See, I'm already getting flustered. See, this doesn't mean that these men are perfect, but it means that their character is above reproach and that the Lord is moving in their lives. They, they meet these qualifications. Their manner, their, as it says in the King James Version, their co- the conversation of their life is these areas. And you see them growing in it. They're able to bring you closer to the Lord and not stumble you. Their their walk, their conversation of life, their characteristics, the things that they're known for do not stumble you. Oh, that's a Christian. I don't want to be one. No, when you're around these guys, you realize this person loves me. He cares for you. He wants to help you. And he wants to bring you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And anything that he can do to do that, he's willing to do that while meeting these Qualifications. It could be summed up this way for elders. Very easy. The Lord is first in their life. Others, other people, is second most important in their life. And thirdly, themselves is dead last. They think of themselves lastly. And if you're seeing that, you're seeing a move of God. You're seeing the Lord move in their life. Now, this is for the um office of bishop and elder but women ladies you are just as much leaders in the position that god has placed you in whether it's in the home over authority and yet under authority whether it's with children whether it's in the workplace you have the same expectations is jesus first is other people second and are you last Because Jesus Christ, he's our great High priest. He's our perfect example. And when you watch Jesus' life, his ministry on this earth, he would spend all night praying. Listen, none of us are going to come up to this level. But that's how high the bar is. After feeding angry, despicable, backbiting people that tried to stone him to death or chase him down as he's teaching disciples that are questioning him and doubting him the whole time and we m- myself included i'm first in line i hit the couch at home and it's like if i hit that couch i'm not getting back up i know that about myself so when i go home i got to keep working or i'm done not the lord not our lord jesus christ he'll pray all night long and start up the very next day he's our great example our great example Now, as we've been focusing, uh, spending some time on on elders and leadership and true leadership and priority in the church, we're going to see in the second part of this chapter why that's important. What for? What's the application? Let's read in verses 10 through 16, which is the rest of this chapter. For there are many insubordinate. This is going to be pretty negative for a little while, but let's read There are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not, for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Listen to this in verse 13. This testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even in their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works, they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. I pray that the Holy Spirit is not speaking to any one of us because people are so good in the church of hiding these things They're, they hide ulterior motives. They come into the church, they come into your computer, they come into the Christian so-called Christian bookstore. And they have some kind of Christian hobby horse that they're trying to push or to sell on you. And if you don't believe the way they believe, then somehow you're not a good enough Christian. And we're not talking sound doctrines. We're not talking uh, salvation through Christ alone or the sovereignty of God. And we're not talking about the authority of Scripture no, those are our hills that we all die in. We're talking about eschatology. That means end times, events, mid-trib or no-trib. Well, it's going to be whatever the Lord says it's going to be from Scripture. Or, for example, um, if you're not a missionary, and if you're not saving five souls a week, then you're not even a real Christian. And it's browbeating people, looking down on them. Or just insubordination. Not being able to come under the authority of anyone. I have served people or served under, never served under by God's grace, but I've served around people where no matter what, they're unhappy. No matter what, the ministry is not good enough. I've never had that here by God's grace, but I have had experience where it's just like, come on, man. And it's never up to their expectation. Well, whose expectation are you laying out? Because it's obviously not the Lord. They're just insubordinate. No matter what, they're never under authority and they're never able to humble themselves. Idle talkers, that's just gossip. Just always talking about people and never edifying them, never lifting them up. Other people are not first. Having itchy ears and talking about them for your own benefit comes first. Paul says here in verse 11, whose mouths must be stopped. Listen, if you're in that conversation and you know it has gone negative and you're trying to show the love of Jesus, you're trying to just, okay, uh uh-huh, just showing it's time. If you're in a position of leadership, if you're an elder, you're a shield of faith. You're not the shield of faith. No, that's Jesus is the shield of faith. But metaphorically speaking, we are a shield to protect the flock. And we just say no. That's enough. That's enough. And I, I've only been a part. I can count on one hand how many times I've had to ask somebody to leave the fellowship, regardless of where I'm serving. And oh man, it's brutal. And I'm a real tough guy. Like I, you guys, you guys know. I'm like, if you've been serving around me, I'm not an emotional kind of guy. I'm a black and white kind of guy. I'm a you know let's go cut some logs with an ax kind of guy. But when it comes to church discipline, I am a big softy because I want everyone to grow in the Lord. But there just comes a time when you have to stop their mouth and say, that is not scriptural. If you continue to sow destruction, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. You can do the very same thing just by, when you're in that conversation, to say, no, I don't, this isn't edifying. This isn't building people up. This is just destroying them you know we encourage ministries for example on online youtube is like the biggest gift and the biggest curse to the ministry because there's such great solid teaching there's a lot of truths that are being revealed and if you see the Conversation of that ministry is building people up and edifying people, and people are growing closer to the Lord by all means. But if it's just tearing people apart and it's just causing division and it's not bringing anyone closer to the Lord, or it's just a hobby horse, like you have to follow this, this is the only true ministry, this video that has 500 views from the mountains of Montana, that's probably not a very good sign. It's probably time to unfollow. And how do we know? Through the sound teaching, the exhortation, and the conviction that we find there back in verse 9. you Just check it with the Bible. Is it working or is it not? Why are they doing this? They're subverting whole households. They're teaching things which they ought not at the, event, at the end of verse 11 for the sake of dishonest gain. It doesn't have to be money, but the emphasis here is money. It could be for popularity, just a gain of, of pride or ego. Just as we summed up Part one of this chapter, you can sum up part two. This is how you check. This is how you check yourself. Make sure that this isn't you. You see, for these people, they come first. The approval of others comes second. And the word of God and his authority comes last. It's the exact opposite. See, those, are those that are true in the faith, God comes first. Their personal relationship with the Lord is most important. Others come in a close second in serving the Lord, and then themselves comes last. They'll sacrifice their own time. They'll sacrifice their own um, their own name because they're putting themselves out there and people are saying negative things about them. Anytime you're in leadership, but they they keep going. They keep fighting the good fight. With those that are dishonest, those that are... Subverting for those that are being used by the enemy, it's the exact opposite. You just have to ask yourself, you have to check yourself before the Lord. Why am I doing this? Why am I in this conversation? Why am I doing this ministry? Why am I serving? Why is it so important for me to serve? Because if not, then you get a a verse 13. Boy, do I hate verse 13. But that's a commandment for me. Verse 13 says, this testimony is true. Ouch, Paul, that was pretty rough what you said. But he says, therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. That, that's hurt feeling time. That's, uh, you know, I don't like what the pastor said. Now I'm going to blow him up on Facebook time. Or I'm going to say negative things about him. And then I'm going to say good things to his face time. But the Bible says that if they're not teaching sound doctrine, if they're not edifying, if they're disobedient, if they're not able to come onto authority, then for elders and for the pastor, comes a time when we have to rebuke sharply from the authority of Scripture, not from our own authority. The Bible says in the book of James that we are to be easy to entreat. That means, that means easily corrected. And it says in Proverbs that a wise man loves correction, but the rod of correction is wasted on the back of fools. There has been a few times where Pastor Mark, my pastor, took me in the back office and said, uh, this is how he used to always do it. He used to always say, hey, Mike, how's it going? What's going on? And then he'd just, you know, get talking, you know, it's like, and then all of a sudden, after he gets you talking, he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh uh-huh. and then here comes a hammer. Boom! Hey, um, I wanted to talk to you about whatever it is that you did wrong. And it'd be, oh, man, it would be devastating, because you care so much. I remember one time, I, um, I was guest speaking. I taught a Sunday night evening service. I taught something that was biblically Wrong. Like straight scripture, another portion of scripture, straight contradicted what I said. And he told me what it was. And, and I, I started trying to defend myself, and all kinds of dumb fell out of my mouth. And I should have just been quiet and just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm absolutely wrong. You know, I'd love to make a correction next time. But he was so gracious with me. But he had to rebuke me sharply. no scripture says this and i was just so embarrassed i can't believe i was even i knew what i was saying was wrong once he corrected me but i was like oh and i had to go back to him later it's just like i'm so so sorry i was just so embarrassed you're absolutely right and uh praise god for the grace of the lord jesus he didn't remove me or anything like that but he, he had to stand there he had to he had to correct are you able to be corrected or, or when, uh, when somebody that is close to you, when they have to tell you something, are they dreading the moment because you're going to get all crazy? Do people fear that you're going to run away from the Lord because you're receiving correction? Or do they know that you're strong in the faith and, and you're going to take it? You're going to be the wise man that receives it in, in wisdom. Okay, all right. I'm willing to yield in this, in this issue. Well, We are going to finish off here in verse 15, because changing the subject, verse 15, if you haven't heard it taken out of context, you're going to see it sooner or later, someone's going to quote this verse to you out of context. Now let's talk about it. Verse 15, listen to it by itself, and you'll be like, oh, I get it. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. So people use this as an excuse to watch whatever they want to watch. So, for example, they'll watch filthy things, or they will be involved in things that are, uh, I don't even know how to say it, in a kosher manner. Just really, really the most filthy things that you can get on the Internet, or uh, filthy things. Or, Or listen to the most disgusting music. And they'll quote, well, to the pure, all things are pure, but your heart is filthy, you know, and that's why you think it's undefiled. What, ta- what Paul is talking about here is the Judaizers and their kosher dietary laws and how they're trying to bring people under subjection and saying you're not a real believer because you're not following these laws. And Paul, in other portions of spi- uh, Scripture, especially in Galatians and Corinthians, says, uh, no, no, for example, meat offered unto idols. If it stumbles a brother, don't do it. But there's no power in that stick image. So they would go to the grocery store, to the meat market. We've got some meat guys here. And the best meat, that the double, A, plus, triple, I don't even know the rating, so bear with me here. The best stuff was the meat that was offered to these false gods. And once they were done with it, they'd sell it in the back. So if you wanted the good stuff, you know, the butcher stuff in the back that he's holding out, you'd have to buy that stuff. Well, to the Jews, they were like, oh, I'll discount price. I'm all good. I'm going to buy it. Well, the Gentiles, those guys had just come out of that worship of those uh, idolatry. So their family was under subjection to to Zeus or whatever those gods were that they were offering to. And when they found out that it was a part of that worship, they just couldn't touch it. It was just defiled. So you would have these Jewish and Gentile brothers and sisters, oh, invite you over to dinner. Oh, man, where'd you get the steak? I could only get that at the at the offering house and i hate that place oh yeah that's where i got it's 50 percent off and they're just like almost vomiting because they're stumbled because it's attached to a, a worship that was false well now you have these jewish legalists back here in titus who are saying man if you do not follow these dietary laws under my authority then you're missing the mark and paul's saying to titus those guys are in it for their own gain the whole chapter They're converting whole households and trying to have people follow them instead of the Lord. That's the context of this verse. And Scripture never contradicts Scripture in the way that some people misquote it. It's just just wrong. And they're subverting whole households just using that verse. And so those of us that are strong in the faith, what do we need to do to countermand that? Back to verse 9. We need to, as we have been taught by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict how easy is it i just did it over the last 5 minutes and i didn't even do a very good job but we just went from scripture and we just said how oh, that's wrong that's not right that's how simple it is fighting that good fight of faith paul also talked about it in 1 Timothy chapter 4 he said that these people forbid to marry Command to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. 1 Timothy 1.15, he's commenting on this topic. God has sanctified and cleansed it, and what they're doing is wrong. And just because they say it's wrong doesn't mean that it's wrong. It's pure because God has called it pure, not man. In closing tonight, it is so important that we are in the word of God. Regardless of whether you are an elder in this fellowship or the pastor or whether this is your second week as a believer, we need to be growing in the grace and truth, in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his word. Our command was in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season to convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. So many people today are hearing a lot of preaching, but they're not being exhorted and they're not being rebuked. Rebuke is when you're doing something wrong and the scripture tells you otherwise. I don't go around with a notepad rebuking people. The Holy Spirit does it through the Word of God itself. As we just go through the Scripture, and you you get hit by something like, oh no, I'm in trouble. I have no idea what's going on. That's just the Lord. I will be studying for this, and the Lord will convict and rebuke me personally. And we do that all together. As the Lord is doing that, just to bring it all home, He is setting things in order. He's setting our hearts in order. He's setting our families in real order. He's setting our church in order through the Word of God. We're going to spend some time praying. We're going to spend some time interceding for one another, growing together in the faith, and just waiting on the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. We, we never meet these qualifications perfectly, Lord, and yet you continue to grow us in your Word. You continue to set us in order, little bit by little bit. We pray, Lord, as we pray, that as brothers and sisters, we would intercede for each other. We would call out to you and that you would continue to have your way in us. Pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.